Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now, and they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives, or toxins. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. They source the best ingredients from all around the world, and I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. What's even better is that Symbiotica makes it a breeze to stay on track. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. You may or may not know, I am the co-owner of Vena CBD. We're committed to your health and wellness with top quality CBD products. If you struggle getting a good night's sleep like me, listen up. I started sleeping better right away when I started taking lights out sleep gummies before bed. The ingredients are grown in the USA and third-party lab tested. Vena guarantees satisfaction with a 30-day risk-free guarantee. Buy a get one, get one free with code TEAPOD. That's T-E-A-P-O-D at venacbd.com. Start your wellness journey with Vena CBD today. That's V-E-N-A-C-B-D.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra in on-trend hues like green, citron, and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic, Onobotulinum Toxin A, and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. This is Teddy Teapot with Teddy Mellencamp. Hi guys. <sighs> We're back again, number three of Teddy Teapod, and I am really revved up. Like, really revved up. I have, like, I got here 30 minutes early because I just needed to know all of the answers. So many questions. Starting off, 
with narcissism. I have Dr. Romani here with me. And then Jill's going to be co-hosting with me today because I've heard she has some experience on the topic, which I tried Googling and I couldn't find that out. So you're going to have to enlighten me. Uh, But first and foremost, first question, if you're listening to this for you, what is a narcissist? Okay, so a narcissist, a lot of times we think it's just the person who likes to look at the mirror and loves themselves. It's actually something very different. These are people who lack empathy. They're really grandiose. They're entitled. They're arrogant. They're always seeking admiration and validation. They don't tolerate frustration well, and they get really rageful. Uh, they don't really respect the rights of other people. They're manipulative. They take advantage of other people. I mean, they, not nice people. They sound like a real dream. Yeah. And they can also sometimes be very victimy. They'll, you know, they'll blame all of any issues that even they've caused. They'll blame the world for them. They never take responsibility for anything. Okay, so going back on that, what creates a narcissist? So at the core, a narcissist is someone who's really insecure. You know, we, we're told this as kids, like the bullies are the insecure kids in some ways. Well, the adult bullies are also really insecure. That's what a mean person is, right? But is what age does this normally start for somebody? I am not going to call someone out as a narcissist until they're really in their early 20s. And I'll tell you why. Our personalities keep developing through childhood and adolescence. And so some of what looks like sort of youthful stupidity could easily be labeled narcissism in a 17-year-old. I tell those parents, wait and see. But, you know, sometimes when we replay it, we can see, yeah, this was not a very nice person all along, but you still have some chances to make some shifts in their teens. By the time they're in their 20, like around 23, 24, 25, the jello mold is set. Like, there ain't much you're going to do around narcissism. Because you also hear that it's like kind of being overused now where somebody yeah. will be like, oh, she's such a narcissist mm-hmm. or he's a narcissist, but like with no real backing. So mm-hmm. what's the... Like the pivotal thing that you know 100% this is a narcissist. The pivotal thing is the absolute lack of regard for other people. And that comes out in these different ways. Like, I, I'm, I'm not waiting in this line. Why should I have to wait in this line? I'm me. You know, it's like that is, in fact, lack of empathy. It's not just someone who's a jerk and entitled. They do not care that the other people have to wait an extra hour, but they should jump to the head of the line. But yet they're so charming. They are charming and charming, charismatic, confident. I always tell people if you meet someone charismatic, run away, run away way fast <laughs> and that's called the the golden period well the golden period is a period we often also call love bombing okay it lasts anywhere from three weeks to three months and in the love bombing sort of golden hour of a narcissistic relationship as it were you are the center of their universe in essence you're like a butterfly and they're trying to trap you under glass and once they've got you there they're just going to put you up on the shelf and forget oh, about you with the rest oh. of the butterflies yeah Okay, so then in that, what are like early signs or red flags you can have if you're starting to get into a relationship with a narcissist? They don't listen and they turn around and said, oh, I'm sorry, I have trouble listening because I have ADHD. I'm like, you didn't have ADHD when I listened to you talk for an hour and a half about your crazy (laughs) stuff. You know, so they don't listen. They don't pay attention. They're over-focused on their devices instead of other people. They do expect to be going to the head of the line. They don't like to wait. They don't tolerate stress well. And most of us will make excuses for them. They're under a lot of pressure at work. Their mom is sick. 
those things happen and we may not be graceful, but most of us catch ourselves and say, you know what? I am so sorry. I was rude with you. My mom is sick, da, 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 versus everything is an excuse for them. They literally weaponize everything going on around them into an excuse to get away with what they want. And that and comes out While early. also making the other person feel bad and like exactly. it's their fault. Exactly. And then, but how are they able to cover it up? Oh, so well, first of all, let's go back to Charm and Charisma, which is the stinkiest perfume in the world. It covers up everything. So people often excuse them. They're also also quite successful. Narcissists make higher salaries than everybody else. So they'll often pick up the check and they'll show you a good time. So people will make excuses saying, oh gosh, we're having such a good time. And they did remember this and they did do this. You get taken in by the charm and the rest of us who are healthy, give people second chances and we make excuses for mm -hmm. people. We're really good at that to how, make the story How long fit. did it take you until you... Oh, I didn't know for years. Wow, yeah. Years. I didn't know for years. And that's what I see in my clients is years. And I feel like the charm, everybody sees the yes. charming side of yes. them, but only a few select people see that other side, yep. that narcissistic side mm -hmm. of this, like never apologizing, yep. everything's always your fault. Mm -hmm. And so people don't realize, and so you're kind of left alone mm -hmm. wondering... Okay, well, it's me. Yeah, I, it must be me. I must be too sensitive. Right, and that's or, you gaslighting yourself. Gaslighting. Mm -hmm. This is a new term oh, yeah. that I just recently mm -hmm. learned. Mm -hmm. Can you explain gaslighting yeah. to everybody? So gaslighting is when somebody questions your reality, questions your emotions to the point where that person feels confused. So when somebody calls her out and said, you're too sensitive, who is someone to say you're too sensitive? That is gaslighting. That's a, that's manipulating her reality she had a feeling about something and somebody in essence was saying you shouldn't have had a, that feeling you shouldn't feel anything at the, about this somebody saying you're being too angry or that never happened those are all examples of gaslighting and after repeated years of this you really just believe it i'm not kidding you i've seen people who've lived through 20 and 30 years of gaslighting and at the end of this they look like they have post-traumatic stress disorder i somebody messaged me about that mm -hmm. like i was with yeah. my husband for 30 years yeah, and they do I, I need I need to know what to even mm -hmm. do because mm -hmm. at this point I don't even know how to live my life yeah. anymore. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Do narcissists tend to always end up with a codependent or does somebody become codependent after being with a narcissist? I don't think they always do. I think a person who's quote unquote codependent may be more vulnerable to the narcissist tricks, meaning that they may be more likely to go along for the ride, less likely to call them out, and more likely to do more and more and more to please the narcissist. But narcissists sometimes end up with other narcissists. Narcissists sometimes end up with healthy people who come from happy families. And that person from a happy family says, well, love takes care of everything. And if I just love them enough, this will all be okay. No, that that's codependent. I mean, I think we want to be careful labeling the other person in a narcissistic relationship, thinking there must be something wrong with them for putting up with it. We are sold a bill of goods in our society that somebody that charming, that charismatic, and that successful can't be a bad person. How do you know if you're codependent or not? I think that when you, when other people start pointing the pattern out to you, and you still say, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. You start, the more you're making So your excuses. husband's cheating on you. Yeah, and you no, no, no. You're, you're misreading that. Or, you know, they're, they're just friends. Okay. <laughs> and what do you think in your relationship, your dynamic was? I felt that it was, there was always an explanation. Yes. If I felt something was off. Can you give me an example? <sighs> um... If I was to find or if I was to see, you know, some somebody texting him on his phone and it was, you know, he was on his phone a lot and I would ask, you know, who are you texting? 
and he would automatically have this response of a, a name. And I'm like, why? Why why is she texting you? And he always was so quick to have this explanation of why this person mm-hmm. needed to be talking to him at that very moment. Right. And I would just be like, oh yeah, of course. Because mm-hmm. I just, I completely trusted everything that was mm-hmm. said. And so like little things like that that you wouldn't think were yeah. too big of a deal, they just added mm-hmm. more and more and more and more. Would, would he also say things like, you know, this is your issue. If you don't trust me, why are you asking oh, yeah. why yes. I'm texting oh, you? Yeah. you know? And you were the one, you're, you feel like you're right. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. You're the one yeah. who's always apologizing for everything. Always even though you know in your heart that you didn't do anything wrong, but yet you're the one constantly apologizing. And if somebody else was to notice something, like somebody in my family was to say something about him, like red flags they saw, I would then get mad yes. at, at the them. family member, not yes. at him. Yes. And hide it from him so yes. that, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, so then this brings me to my next question. Are all narcissists cheaters? No, but a lot are a lot. So keep in mind, people cheat in relationships for a range of reasons. Some narcissists, interestingly, are they they love playing the hyper moral, hyper loyal card like they go the other extreme. And if they hear of even the tiniest transgression, they become like completely judgmental and cruel. So they tend to take extremes. But what a narcissist does is they choose whatever path is going to validate them and feed their ego. So for you can see how cheating would work, right? Somebody pays attention to you. You're getting new narcissistic supply. Isn't this great? You think you can get away with it and because they're entitled. They almost feel like they have the right to have an inappropriate relationship with anybody they want. Like, who's going to stop me? I deserve this because I'm me. Uh, the relationships that they have with other people and is it always just to benefit themselves? Yes. Like they're always looking to use the other person for something? They're always looking to either feed their ego or protect their ego, right? So, you know, it's sort of using the example we're having of cheating. Sometimes it's not even like they're having sex, right? It's those inappropriate text messages and inappropriate times that they get together. It's poor boundaries. They're really bad at boundaries because when your boundaries are tight, you're not turning to someone for all this validation. You're like, mm, let's, you know, let's just stop there. So it's a, it's always, but yes, by and large, their relationships with other people serve almost solely to suit their needs. And I hate to say this, this even happens when they are parents. People are like, well, they're a parent. I'm like, yeah, and watch this one go down because that kid becomes their source of narcissistic supply. Look at my kid, he plays soccer. Look at my daughter, she does ballet. You know, and God forbid if that kid doesn't perform. Oh no, what so happens? They, they may reject them, they may scapegoat them. They, and most often, it's not even that sinister, they just kind of ignore them, they get bored. They're really cute when they're tiny. Around six or seven, they start feeling like a nuisance. And then what does that do to your child? <laughs> you got one of three paths you take if you've had a narcissistic parent. I really see it come down to three paths. Path number one, the kid becomes really anxious as an adult. Path number two, the kid becomes a narcissist as an adult. Path number three, we see people who go on to have disorders of what we call regulation, substance use, eating disorders, problems with spending, problems with uh, managing their emotions, lashing out, managing any strong emotions. Pick one. Pick one of those three paths and sometimes a person can have more than one. More often than not, what I've seen in my work is people who have a narcissistic parent become incredibly anxious Mm -hmm. and they become anxious and self-doubting and constantly seeking reassurance as adults. This is great. This is like group therapy during my lunch hour. (laughs) Really enjoying this. Thanks. So in, in, in saying that, when you're dealing, let's say with a narcissistic parent or husband or wife or whomever it is 
They don't know they're a narcissist. Do they really not know? They really don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's imagine if you had a broken arm, you would do everything you could to protect that bone. You get a cast on it. That's how they are with their egos. But they're not as aware that everything they're doing is to protect this fragile core. So they don't have that much insight into what they're doing to other people because they don't pay attention to other people. Other people only serve the purpose of helping them. This water bottle only serves a function of giving me water. Once the water's out of it, I'm going to throw it out. That's what they do with people. But then I also read that, I also read that um, narcissists, if they are, if they have a wife or somebody that mm-hmm. leaves them, then they're even worse oh, yeah. to their next person. Well, you know, that's, people ask me, because I'd say about a third of my practice is narcissistic clients. Believe it or not, I do. How gnarly. Yeah, it's, 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 it can be gnarly, but I'll tell you, everyone's like, well, then why the heck did they come in if they don't have insight? Because something goes wrong in their life. Mm. Someone files a lawsuit. They lose a job. They're their spouse or partner leaves them their kid no longer speaks to them something goes wrong and they're not they're confused as to why this happens and then they come in i'm like what exactly are you confused (laughs) about i wouldn't be speaking to you either you know so they don't get it they it's almost like they forget they forget the harm it's like every conversation with them is like groundhog day like we just went through this because to them an apology is permission They're like, okay, I said, sorry, so now I can go do it again. And you've forgiven them. So like, this is great. I can keep making this mistake and this fool is going to keep coming back around. So they just don't get it. They don't see it. And I'll be honest with you. The biggest mistake you could ever make is calling a narcissist out because that's your, that's your ace of spades right there. You do not want them to know, you know, because once you do that, they are going to take the gloves off. Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened? Well, I really struggled with after everything happened, I felt... What's everything happened? Sorry. We dated. And once I like confronted him about a whole bunch of things and, you know, basically figured out the type of person that he was, I left feeling incredibly weak. And Mm. I felt like, how could I have let this happen? How could I have fallen for this? When in fact, like years and years of therapy and, you know, Mm -hmm. working through this, you can't really, you can't blame yourself because you never know who this person is going to go after. And so that was a real struggle for me was feeling like it was my fault. How could I have let, how could I have fallen for this guy? But don't How could I stay with him for so long? After being with a narcissist so long, it did such a number on you. You got so masterful at blaming yourself for everything. Oh, yeah. You even blamed yourself for even getting in it and staying in it. Yeah, and I still do. And even like in future relationships, thinking like, oh, well, nope, he's too confident. Nope, can't go there. And so I find myself, you know, noticing teeny tiny little things in people when... I, it, it's definitely affected me for future relationships mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. It definitely leaves a long echo. And, and then when you see somebody, so like one of my best friends, her husband now about to be ex-husband, it for sure, like it, from the moment I met him, I was like, this seems like a narcissist to me. But I've also seen him, you know, get caught for cheating or these different mm-hmm. things have happened. And I've seen him like break down to her. Mm-hmm. Like, I am so sorry you are everything to me and do this whole big show. Is that all just a show? Or is there any feeling of remorse? Or is there just feeling of getting caught? Or do they even care that they got caught? It's a show with a function. So what I mean by that is they... A narcissist is not a psychopath. There's a difference, thank goodness. Oh, can you also tell me the difference between a narcissist and a sociopath? All right, I will tell you the difference, then I'm going to go back to your question. So, narcissist, psychopath, sociopath, all right? 
a little bit different, all three. Okay. A narcissist actually does feel remorse and they particularly feel remorse. Like they know they can look at someone's face and say, well, that wasn't a good thing to do. Like a little kid, like they can see when they break something that their mom's upset. They're like, Oh, I shouldn't have picked up that glass. She told me not to psychopath does not feel that they will. They'll shoot you point blank and go eat lunch. Like that, that's, and the narcissist won't do that. Oh my God, what are you gonna do with the body? I don't know. They'll get really worked up. Okay. So when they throw, you know, please don't leave me, da, da, da. A lot of that's driven by shame. They, the narcissist knows they are going to get publicly called out. Do you think the narcissist was originally like neglected or, uh, you know, there's different ways a person gets to be narcissistic. We do know it starts early in life. It's believed that people are narcissistic, didn't have the opportunity to create a really secure attachment to a caregiver, like a mom or a dad. Sometimes they're raised by narcissists. Like I said, sometimes they're raised in homes where the parents are just not attuned that a parent might be struggling with addiction. A parent may be struggling with anything. The household is characterized by chaos. For some reason, when you have a, really, really sort of mean authoritarian parent, which many people did in their dads for generations, that, that can breed narcissism. But then when you add to that, a child who may be spoiled, like in terms of material stuff, you can have anything you want. Here's a phone, here, here's a car, here's a this, here's a that. But they never get their emotional needs met. So when that child has real emotion, they're really sad, they're really confused, there's no adults anywhere to be found. You need a new phone, they're right there. You want to go on a fancy vacation and post pictures to Instagram, mom and dad are on it. But when there's a real emotional need, these they're completely malnourished. So by the time they get into adulthood, they learn that superficial vain things will feed that emptiness that lives inside of them. They don't know how to regulate and they never learned how to have empathy for other people. You don't teach your kid empathy by the age of seven or eight, you're screwed. Yeah. And then it, I have a question. So I, I understand if you have a, you know, a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or girlfriend that's a narcissist and you finally figure out a way to get away and do treatment on yourself to try to get over the pain of like the PTSD. Mm-hmm. But what if it is a parent? Mm-hmm. Oh, if it's a parent. I mean, in fact, that's something I take on quite a bit in this new book. If it is a parent, you can't you may not be able to divorce your parent. And the hard thing is them being narcissistic left real echoes in your own life, which is hard to even reflect on how this affected you. But you can set boundaries. And I have worked with many clients on many different ways. Sometimes people set a timer. They, like, the, their parents are too old to know that that's not the phone ringing, that that's a timer going off. <laughs> and they set it for an hour, an hour and a half. The thing goes off they're like, you know what, I got it. This is an important call. And they get out. They, they come up with a list of topics that are not controversial. How's the weather? Did you see they're mo- making a new grocery store? Can you believe the neighbors painted their mailbox red? Like really keeping it neutral. The parent, the, the narcissist gets frustrated when you change your game like that because narcissistic parents can often be jealous of their adult kids. They can covet their lives. The, the, a narcissistic parent will often play the victim. So if you take away their ability to do that anymore, they'll often feel like, oh, here you are trying. In fact, I've had numerous clients tell me, oh, would your shrink teach you to talk to me like this? You know, so they really are like they notice the change in the temperature because a narcissist does well when there's a fight going on. So they're often gunning for a fight, right? They come back always too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can have the worst fights yeah. with them that you're like, back. whoa, this is gnarly. Mm-hmm. And they are back the next day like it didn't happen. Yep. yep. And that's that. that oh, sort of it's that like it didn't memory. happen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you want to talk about it again, they don't want to. No. And it's almost like they don't even remember it happened. But they'll remember it if it's convenient to remember one mean thing you said in the conversation. They've got this amazing vault in their brain. So, and then they also kind of know what your weaknesses are, right? Mm -hmm. And then they'll just pummel them until yeah. Because they, I mean, that's the thing about they are able to pay attention. 
You know, if they're able to pay close enough attention to mine out your weaknesses, to use them against you, they're able to. They're just only paying attention for their own benefit. But so I tell, you know, many people say my mom's a narcissist, my dad's a narcissist, but I really adore my siblings and I want to go to Thanksgiving dinner. And so I say I set them ground rules. I'm like, just stick to the neutral topics on the list, set boundaries, give yourself breaks, don't stay in the house with them. Like, you know, things you can do so you don't, you know, still probably going to get to an argument, but this time you'll understand the why instead of feeling like why doesn't my mom or dad love me you know what sadly it's sort of like this more empty superficial version of love teach yourself this isn't about you maybe they sort of quote unquote did the best they could but don't personalize it this was them not being a fit parent it's not about you not being a fit child right all right guys we've got to take a break but i want to dig into like what drives people to be like uber attracted to the narcissist Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now. And they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives or toxins. They source the best ingredients from all around the world. And I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. I started my wellness journey with Symbiotica because I was tired of having no energy and I wanted better gut health. I love Symbiotica's probiotics, and I know you will too. Their supplements are super easy to take on the go and travel with. Having supplements that don't taste like chalk or artificial ingredients makes me look forward to taking it every day. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. You don't have to worry about running out. You can also modify or freeze your subscription whenever you want. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. You like to watch the new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest. Thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24 seven. Ooh. Yeah, but look at you. Yeah, right. But I'm here. So the advice that I give is 
and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877-351-0300 and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Do you want $0 delivery fees? Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. You won't regret it. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass, $0 delivery fees, and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Okay, so we're back with Dr. Romani and also Jill and we're on the topic of narcissism and coming back what drives somebody to almost always go to a narcissist? You know, a lot of people will say when they meet a narcissist, they feel so much chemistry. We have a magical connection. I've never felt like this again. When Before, when I hear that, I tell my client, all right, let's put the brakes on this real fast. Because that's often a sign that the thing that's being activated is an ancient script, some kind of early form of invalidation you experience that you're trying to work through. And in fact, a brilliant woman I know, Dr. Pamela Regan, I work with, who's a relationship researcher, you know, she said that what people call chemistry is actually that ancient familiarity of the past. And you just keep playing out that dysfunctional story over and over again. And instead of saying, wow, this is a dysfunctional love story, you're like, this is a magical love story. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's almost nostalgic. It's so ancient. Like you're chasing the high or something? You're, ch- you're chasing the old story. Like this time I'll get m- dad to love me, you know, and you keep finding lots of rejecting partners. And you this, t- this time I'm going to get it right. Instead of realizing like that was dad's story. Like, you're, you're all good. You were so, born. So right. confusing too, because yes. they do love Love you at first. They yeah. show that, but they're what it is is it's 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 much like a baby likes to be swaddled and picked up. It's an overwhelming experience. So that if anyone else comes along and it's almost like a soft pedal dating experience mm-hmm. and it's not so connecty, people are like, well, oh, this isn't exciting. I'm thinking it's probably healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a question: If that is you, for like my listeners. How do you start to equip yourself to not make those same mistakes? Start becoming, I, I don't know if you call them mistakes. But they're not like, mistakes. That You know what it is? Become aware of your backstory. Because a lot of people almost want to maintain a fairy tale of their family of origin. Like, we were a great family and everything is great. And like, yeah, everyone kind of got it. Or they paint this picture and they don't really look into what did that do to them as a kid? How often they were trying to win their parents over. You've got to know where, where the, the minds are buried so you don't step on them. 
You know, you've got to know what it is about your backstory that makes you vulnerable. Number one. Number two, listening to something like this, reading about this, knowing that this pattern is toxic and know you are not going to be the one to magically turn the frog into a prince. It doesn't work that way. For the people listening that like can't afford to go to therapy or do those types of things, are there certain books or anything that you recommend? <laughs> well, I'm going to be a Other narcissist than- <laughs> and, and I'm going to mention my own. I actually do think my, I've been, I've been a professor for years, so I actually write, I know my students don't love to read, so I try to write in a way like if I can get them to read, I can get anyone to read. So I have two books on this, one called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist. And the other book is called Don't You Know Who I Am? How to Stay Sane in an era of narcissism, entitlement, and incivility. Between those two books, you'll understand not only intimate relationships, but also all of the other kinds of relationships and why this is becoming more and more common in our world and what to do about it. There's also tons of other good books. Uh, if you put narcissism into Amazon, you're just, it's, like, it's a tsunami. There's also really great podcasts. There's shows like this one you're doing today. There's, I, I have a YouTube channel um, on exactly on this, and we have tons of content. So the content is out there, and it's amazing how many people are self-educating on this topic. And may I ask you a personal question? I don't know if I'm allowed to ask that. Do you have personal experience on this is or is it through studying? Yeah, you want to know about drugs, talk about an old, talk to an old druggie, (laughs) you know, and if you want to, you want to know about narcissism, absolutely. I mean, and this has happened to me in professional spheres and family spheres and professional spheres and I began to really doubt myself. I'm like, well, maybe this is because I'm this. I thought, no, there's some, and then I got into doing it in my research. I actually, my university-based research got to be about this particular topic and then all the pieces came sort of sliding in together and it was like, now I see this and more and more and more of my clients here in LA kept coming in and telling me the same story about their marriages. And I'm thinking, and I kept writing them emails like, okay, just to review what we did. And I said, I keep writing the same email over and over again. I might as well write a book. That's where that second yeah. book came from. So on that same token, like a lot of people, I did something on my Insta story that said, just like, ask me your questions mm-hmm. on narcissism. And I had hundreds of people oh. write in, I'm married to a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so many people. What you know, do I do? But like, really, what do you do? You have a yeah. family together. You love the person. You have. I mean, a lot of them are saying we have really good times together, and then there's really dark times. But what do you do? Is there any hope of a happy life? Can a narcissism a narcissist be happy? The the best thing I can tell them, this is going to sound like the most awful thing to hear, is you got to keep your expectations realistic. When you're having a good day, ride that wave out and then know that there's probably going to be a series of rainy days, you know, that your trust may get broken. Um, But the expectations need to be realistic. I think a lot of times people want an explanation. Why are you like this? You're never going to get that explanation. You're never going to get it. They don't get it themselves. And so there's a lot of frustration. But I think the biggest issue becomes from the fact that they believe they can change this person. If I lose weight, if I, if I'm nicer, if I keep the house cleaner, if I get more money, if I don't work, if I raise the kids better, if we, I mean, I've heard every possible trick people have tried to say, maybe if I do this, then no, they're never going to change. In fact, the person doing all this stuff is changing, but the narcissist narcissism actually is like, it's like the weather in California. Like it's kind of always the same. It's just very steady and it, and it's, it's unchangeability in some ways makes it manageable because you know, so how do you start disarming a narcissist? You don't fall for their tricks and traps. You need to be comfortable with your own reality. The only way someone can gaslight you is because you are willing to doubt your own reality. Mm-hmm. No, the you sky start doing is more blue. and more over time. Yeah, and if somebody tells me the sky is purple, I'm like, no, 
I'm doubling down on the fact that the sky is blue. And if you have a problem with that, I'm not. We're good. How do like, they react to that when you sort of stand up for yourself more? Um, sometimes they get scared. They're, they're almost like the wicked witch. You know, like they're like, oh, okay. You know, and they will, especially if you do it early in the game. You had even said like, you know, we had talked earlier. So what, what attracts a person? One thing they don't like, is at first they'll say, woo, you're being a little playful. They're going to keep trying to seek out your vulnerabilities. If you don't know that you're going into Mortal Kombat, you're not going to be ready for this. But if you know what you're doing, it's actually very interesting to spar with them. But the key piece is to not feed the beast. You don't you don't validate them. You don't give them anything. And then they're going to get bored of you. Right. You know, they're just going to move on to the next person. I'm not getting anything here. You're not telling me I'm great. You're not making things happen for me. You're not getting me Lakers tickets like there's nothing happening in this relationship. So I'm out. And but once you're in it for a long time, they know they can get things from you. So it really, really gets hard. And I'll be honest with you. Some people stay married to narcissists, not because they love them but because they don't want to co-parent with them and they don't want to share custody. They don't want the kids to be alone with the narcissistic parent just because they feel like the parent is just not a good parent. And if they are alone with their kids, what are some things that are going to happen? They get bored with them. They get irritated with them. They may say bad things about the other parent, you know, like whereas in any divorce, no matter how much you may dislike your ex, your responsibility to your parent is to protect the parents and you know the the child's eyes of the parent in essence like their view of the parent and narcissistic parents will have no problem completely doing a number on the other parent trying to win them over is so, it normal to be a, a little bit afraid of the narcissist like yeah, i have sometimes. a lot of fear or like I yeah. always feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Well, the walking on eggshells piece, absolutely, because you never know what's going to set them off because they're so insecure. They're very hypersensitive. So like the tiniest little thing like, oh, that's interesting. I love that tie. You wore it to last week's dinner. What do you mean? What, do you, what, are you trying, what are you trying to say? I only have one tie? Like, you know what? I have a thousand ties. You know what? Tell with this. I'm not going on this dinner. You know, and I'm like, I just said you yeah, are they, the tie. Kind of, they do sort of do that thing, too, where they're like, I'm, I'm done talking I'm to done you. talking. It's called stonewalling. And that's actually one of the signs that a relationship is kind of coming to an end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're in that place where you are being stonewalled, you have kids, you're afraid to co-parent, what do you do? You get therapy, you join support groups, you realize that kids do move out of the house, hopefully, in most cases, when they're 18. It can be a long ride. I've watched parents white knuckle this stuff for 16 years. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this and say some magical anti-narcissist fairy is going to come fluttering down and make it all better. You signed up for something rough. My, my goal in my work is to prevent people from getting into marriages like this in the first place, to understand what they're dealing with. But in fact, people, there was a research study done, and people who are dating are more likely to rate a narcissist as a better marriage partner than somebody who's not. Why? Because a narcissist looks so much better on paper. Mm -hmm. uh, and they make like, you feel amazing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. And it's the sometimes that makes it like an addiction. Mm -hmm. You're chasing the high. Like, I want to feel like I felt like sat last Saturday. You know, so instead of somebody who makes you feel good all the time, and some ways you're like, every day is good, so it's not interesting. But when you have those ups and downs, it's addiction. So if uh, if you're listening to uh, if somebody's listening to this right now and they're thinking, could I potentially be a narcissist? Hmm. 
How do you self-evaluate in any way? You know what? I say, first of all, bravo to you for even considering it. And I've had many clients come to me and say, you know what? I'm not nice to other people. I was raised by these people who told me like, you know, other people's feelings are BS. Don't concern yourself with them, all that sort of thing. And so they really minimize. That's how they were raised. Now they're adults and realizing they can't get into a healthy relationship and they feel like their lives are really impoverished as a result. Uh, it's a slow burn with them. I mean, we can only get so far. This is like somebody who's never used their legs and we're trying to get them to use their legs for the first time. It's it's tough. And so when people start realizing they may be, the first thing I tell them is it's like training for a marathon. You've got to be on it all the time. You have to you have to pay attention to other people's feelings and it's going to feel weird. For a, You have to be mindful all the time. Like you have to stop. You have to listen. You have to reflect back. You have to think about what they're feeling. And many people are saying, are you serious? I need to do all of this. And I'm like, yeah, that's called a relationship. And so you're teaching them what they should have been taught when they were small children. It's very, very slow. Because I feel like I've had conversations with narcissists before where they'll ask all the right questions, mm -hmm. but you can tell by how they respond. <laughs> they most likely weren't even listening Probably to you. Not. It's hard for them. Like they're just going through the motions mm -hmm. of asking you what they think you want to be asked. And so the question is, is somebody going to be content being with someone who's just going through the motions? That's a very personal question. Some people might say, listen, if, he, if I can manage going through the motions for 12 more years when the kids are gone, I'm out. You know, and that's again, I, I think everyone makes very sometimes on the basis of culture, finances. Nobody gets to judge, but what my goal is, is to try to give people tools so they can make this so it's as healthy and as at least not getting as invalidated all the time as they are currently by staying in these relationships. Do you find that people, like I have this experience where I think they're a narcissist and I know enough about narcissists to know how bad that mm -hmm. is. And, uh, I'm gonna like, oh, need to like prove no. it like prove yes. they are yes amy you nailed it you know what you said something that i've seen so many people do they're like i gotta get enough data enough evidence so i'm convinced but in the process of getting that data and that evidence they break their own hearts over and over again and to say why can't it's almost like again it's gaslighting yourself why couldn't you trust yourself the first time when you were invalidated nobody deserves that but you kind of crave that like almost feeling that you got from before yes, that, like not feeling yes. worthy mm -hmm. like the hope you're wrong the hope you're wrong and you know what or that you can change them and these relationships are kept in place by two dynamics hope and fear hope it's going to get better and fear what if i leave what if he's not really like this what if it what gets if better no one else what if like there's this? no one else yeah what if i never feel this way again and you always can and you not only can what is glorious to witness is after people have left narcissistic relationships and learn what's really important the love stories i've seen people walk into they're like i never would have looked at this person twice and now every day i walk through the world feeling important and beautiful and loved and i don't doubt myself and i never thought it could be this way it's it's stunning to witness and do, I mean, this might be an ignorant question, but is narcissism, is it 50% men, 50% mm. women, or what's the... I'm, I'm spitballing 80-20, 80% men, 20% women. That's about to start shifting. I hate to say... <laughs> I'm glad yeah. we fought for Why? equality. Why? Sadly, we're catching media? up there too. Some of it's social media. I think women are are finally and and deservedly so fighting for their their place in the workplace. But sadly, the way corporate America's run, there is some incentivizing of being a narcissist. So in order to climb up in that, women who have those qualities sometimes will do better. Girls are affected by narcissistic parents. They almost have to create that within them. It does. To it become becomes, fighters. Yeah. Or, 
They're allowed to be. And keep in mind, too, it used to be for a woman to be narcissistic, it might have been trickier because it might have been harder for her to get married, which is almost a societal requirement. We don't require that of women anymore. You know, so some of those things that you might have socialized out of women. And I'll be honest with you, narcissism in women can come off more as a, a victimhood, a coldness, a distance, rather than that kind of mean-spirited, combative narcissism. Yeah, tell us more men. about women. How do you know as a woman... Same way as men. I mean, they don't, they, they are contemptuous of other people's feelings. They view other people's feelings as weak. They're very competitive. They don't account for other people's feelings. They are very entitled. I see it all the time. I see women's narcissism. I, I've been hurt by women's narcissism. It's, it's equally ugly to men's. There's really no difference. <sighs> Let's say that you, you break free from the narcissist. Mm-hmm. And what's the first thing mm-hmm. a person should do or could do to help yourself feel better? I tell people you need a detox period. You've just been through something that's, you know, sort of on the fringes of the neighborhood of traumatic and sometimes fully traumatic. You need a moment to, I always advise some form of support, whether that's therapy, whether that's group support, you know, whether that's just you just sort of doing the deep dive and don't try not to get right into another relationship because it's like that, that scar tissue is really raw. And then I think it's about for a while you're going to overcorrect and you're going to say no to a lot of people like, yep, sorry, no, mm-hmm. too confident. Yep. No, charming, too charming. And I, that's OK. That's OK. I'd rather a person overcorrects than undercorrects in many ways. And then you've I tell people start with building all those relationships you ignored all those years, because you got to remember, most of us put 90 percent of our effort into our most toxic relationships and only 10 percent into our most healthy, reciprocal giving relationships. Why? Those really healthy relationships are like, we're cool. I love you all the time. When you get in touch, we're good. But you don't have to constantly feed them. Flip that math. Go back to those healthy relationships and recognize what it feels like to look into a mirror again. I think you nailed on something saying reciprocal Mm -hmm. because narcissistic relationships are not at Mm -mm. all. Like, at all. No, not at all. I mean, it's like a mirror that doesn't look back, which is actually really unsettling. You know, when you think about it, they're not reciprocal. And I think that people sometimes feel in control early in a narcissistic relationship because they're doing all the work. They're, and and then the narcissistic partner may be trying to win them over. The Again, love bombing the feels mm, like yeah. it's reciprocal. Yes, it does. And then it goes then away. Then it goes away. And you're like, what do I need to do to get it back? Mm-hmm. How do I get that back? And now you're pedaling faster and faster, trying to create a time in a relationship that's never going to come back again, ever. We're going to take a little break here and then we're going to talk to um, some of our narcissist. Hold on. What's the word? Like somebody who's recovering survivors of narcissistic abuse. Yeah. Um, We're going to take a little break here and then we're going to come back. I'll ask more questions, but also talk to some survivors of narcissists. Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now. And they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives or toxins. They source the best ingredients from all around the world. And I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. I started my wellness journey with Symbiotica because I was tired of having no energy and I wanted better gut health. I love Symbiotica's probiotics and I know you will too. Their supplements are super easy to take on the go and travel with. 
having supplements that don't taste like chalk or artificial ingredients makes me look forward to taking it every day. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. You don't have to worry about running out. You can also modify or freeze your subscription whenever you want. Ready to feel the results? Head over to symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. You like to watch the new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Do you want zero dollar delivery fees? Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. You won't regret it. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. Get more from delivery for less with Dash Pass, $0 delivery fees, and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. So now we're back and we're talking directly to... A friend of mine. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe my boss. <laughs> a surviving nurse. Uh, I think. I still have doubts. I always doubt, like, 
were they? I think they were. Pretty sure when it's like there's 4,000 signs that they were or are. But you know what? It highlights how important it is for us to not get so stuck in the label because then people are like, well, that didn't. So maybe they're not. I say pay attention to how someone makes you feel. So if you're feeling no respect and they're manipulating you and they're gaslighting you and they're twisting your truth and they're not respecting and your they feelings. they pit you against other people I too. Mean, like the, that what you the want. triangle yeah. thing is super yeah. Mm -hmm. big. Yeah, it's very big for them. It's where they get their power. And they all have triangles even if... Sorry, can you explain the triangle thing to me? So Dr. Romani can probably explain it, but I would explain it as... Okay, here's like a loose example. There's always a wife or a another girlfriend mm -hmm. and it's like oh they were being terrible so i was super excited to see you mm -hmm. but now you're being terrible and i can't wait to yeah. go back to mm -hmm. them like very this classical is, that happened mm -hmm. and they likely grew up like that triangulation is often a dynamic you learn in the family and then that's what they do they will pit the mistress and the wife or the boyfriend and the husband against each other. So, and remember what's the great about that setup is the narcissist has a guaranteed source of narcissistic supply 24 seven because the wife is aggravated. You got the mistress, your mistress is aggravated. You got the girlfriend or until, back, until we both, until left. you both. And that's a, that's the best day of my year. When I watch a narcissist where both the wife and the mistress walk out the same day, like that's like a holiday around my house. <laughs> <laughs> so when they're doing that, do, when the narcissist is doing that, are they just getting off on the fact that they can completely control two people? It's not a getting off because that makes it sound, it's almost too conscious then. It's okay. a it's a need getting met. It's like, like they don't love yeah. it, but they love, love it. it. It's like yeah. it's like drinking blood. That's what I was like, like each person is giving them something that their ego needs to feel yeah. like. Because mm -hmm. somebody said something to me like, Yes, I have cheated on my wife before, but the thing is, I would never cheat on her with somebody that's been with a lot of people. It has to only be me. I'm like, why would you, why would you believe that they're only with you if right. they're cheating? You know, like, right. uh, so what is that? So they, they believe in things that, again, protect them and help them feel good. And that that's, it's almost, they almost are veering into the delusional territory. That's how much their beliefs are so skewed. They're, they seem like they're deluded. They're not even, in, they, ironically, they question everyone else's reality, but they're not Crying in their own. Crying to a narcissist makes them feel good is yes, the vibe I got. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it gives them, think about it. When someone's it, crying it to their power. It makes them feel good as long as it's not about them. Even if it's about them. Oh, they oh, like even it even if it's about, about yeah, them. It's yeah. power. It's power because now you've shown my, me to be weak. I go back to Jill's examples and in some ways it was like she was rendered weak in that relationship. Oh, do you really care who was texting me? Ugh, mm -hmm. God, are you really that insecure? Now, imagine how much more powerful he was than her at that point. And he got me to change yeah. my relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. I am so close with my family. And when we were together, there would be weekends where we wouldn't see each other whatsoever because he didn't want mm -hmm. me going somewhere or and in my mind I knew it was wrong in my heart I knew it was wrong but yet hearing him explain that he needed me mm -hmm. to stay home I was like oh, of course yeah mm -hmm. and then weeks and weeks and weeks would go by I'm not seeing my family I'm not seeing my friends and it just completely changed me as a person and the one thing I will say is when this relationship ended I was just dead inside mm -hmm. I didn't know who I was I wasn't I was not me at all. How long were you together? Um, we were together, I mean, a little over five years. Mm -hmm. It's a long time. Off, like, off and on for even longer, but that five years mm -hmm. of span of like was a, a good run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was just like, 
I wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And it took a really mm-hmm. long time for me to feel like myself again mm-hmm. because it, I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. Why does she seem so much healthier than me? Because <laughs> you're wild. You might still be in it. Time. It's time. It really time. is time. And that's what I was saying. Like, even after that, you're saying, how do we get past this? How do we detox? Mm-hmm. You then started spending time with those friends and family yes. again. And you're like, it, it really is like breathing healthy air again. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, now I'm coming back to life. And it takes some time of doing that. We're like, no one's going to tell me I can't do this and I can't do these things that are wonderful for me. Once you start feeling like you're in control of your life again, that's oftentimes where you start you start to heal. Because you're when you're in a relationship with a narcissist, it's very time consuming because you waste a lot of time interpreting texts mm-hmm. and why didn't he call or she called too soon or where is this person or what's going on and explaining and talking about things till two in the morning and then people going to bed angry. And it's a lot of time. It's like a full-time job being in a relationship with these people. It's just on your mind all it's the time. It's always on your mind. Whereas if you're in a healthy relationship, to be honest with you, you don't waste a lot of mental real estate on that. Like you love the person and you're happy to talk to them, but you're not spinning your wheels thinking about them all the time in mm-hmm. this dysfunctional, ruminating kind mm-hmm. of a way. And you hear relationships are hard. And so you think like, no. oh yeah, this is, this is what not. people are talking about. By the way, I don't know. I think a shrink must have sold that so we'd get work. But relationships <laughs> really aren't that hard when they were sometimes you have to make a compromise like okay yeah i'm gonna skip the dinner tonight because my partner's sick but that doesn't feel hard that feels like love and you you don't label that as hard when it starts like no it has to feel hard and I, a relationship should feel like mental pilates you're doing it wrong for somebody that's in the triangle if they're either the wife or the mistress or whomever or even the narcissist is there any closure to it There is no closure with narcissists. And that, I think, is the hardest thing for people to get their head around. I think some people feel like, you know what? I could heal from this if this person would just finally take ownership, explain to me what happened, and I can let it go. It won't happen because they don't get it. They don't understand, nor do they care what they did to you. And you trying to force them to think about it gets them very angry. So they'll often start insulting, criticizing, humiliating, and degrading the other person. So then it's even worse. The, the best play, the best play, honestly, is to walk away with your head held high. And honestly, then you're kind of sticking it to them, too, because now they've lost their supply. Like you're dead to me. I'm just uh-huh. mad because I left one and found another. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm saying you need that detox period. Yeah. What mm-hmm. is a detox period? Like I just said, you need time alone. Time alone. Ten, 10, 20 years. It'll yeah, t- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's definite. And you know what? Listen, a lot of people in narcissistic relationships, they stay at the table too long. They really oh. do. So the last year or two of a narcissistic relationship, this thing's already dead in the water. So people crave touch I often say if you're in a relationship with a narcissist try and get things like massages from time to time just so you can have real human touch that doesn't feel like sort of this toxic kind of angry sex touch or no touch which is what does tend to happen in narcissistic relationship mm-hmm. is the frequency of sex drops down something's weird with those yeah. people so too. yeah they're not going to be touching so they'll they're have touching sex someone with you, else but they're not going to be like holding your hand or saying it's not very intimate it's very performance art sex in fact sometimes it's very athletic and it's very exciting and it's very seductive but it's very empty and again it's like in fact they managed to position themselves during sex to highlight their best physical attributes it's all very theatrical i can't does this sound familiar a little bit on the hand the hand holding or more like affection affection. is a strength it is so i'm not convinced the third one was the narcissist i'm still holding out hope that i'm two but the third Could one maybe just have not. been a sex addict <laughs> who the, the third one 
Yeah, the one that we talked about that I'm still not certain. There's there's too much insensitivity there, so let's not call him a narcissist, but if we call this person deeply insensitive... Still not sold on the third one. The first two, <laughs> she she wants to have that last I call. I want to try a little bit because, and what is it in me that's like, I'll just let me try. Yeah, why does she Again, want it? You know, so listen, bad. I, I'm going to spitball here. We don't know each other super well. We've talked a bit, but you know, I would really want to do the deeper dive into your childhood. You know maybe you might have grown up in a very happy home, but that idea that you had to somehow take care of maybe mom, maybe dad, maybe everyone, and that that's your role and you're going to keep doing it because that's where you got your identity from, that to give up that role and to keep trying this until you really feel it's done, the real risk for you is to stay in too long so you truly feel like you tried everything. But that stuff you learn young. I think on the first one, well, not Probably not the first one, but the <laughs> the most recent <laughs> recent first one. That one was I knew something was not right mm-hmm. like two months in and I three years later. Right. But by the time I left three years later, I was done. Right. But I was gonna say, like, does this seem like narcissist to you? Sorry, I'm so like snotty too. So no, I mean, and seeing emotion when you're pregnant, it makes you even more emotional. <laughs> I'm like a snot fest over here as well. So I once said, I feel like you're not reciprocal. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, and I gave this example and I said, oh, I did this and you didn't say thank you. And the person sent me maybe 20 emails that we had sent to each other where the thank you was highlighted. And it was so brutal. Yeah. Yeah. See, see what I'm saying? It was like it's petty. Was it, it is. And in, in fact, a relationship with a narcissist is like death by a thousand cuts. You stay and you get cut and you get cut. And one day you're like, you're done. Like you can't bear it anymore. But that petty kind of counting the thank you. It was like, how dare you? Showing you a record of every gift and it said, they ever bought you. Look at all these yep. thank yous. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. They, they like to account all They keep an accounting of grievances, of things they've done. And like good accountants, they pull out the books when they need them. And you're like, you really were paying attention all along, but to the wrong stuff right it was so helpful because i'd say that was sort of towards where i was like Mm -hmm. i got to get (laughs) (laughs) this is a lot but what if it's two narcissists what happens oh lord everyone i mean it's it's really like you you almost want to it's fireworks it's fireworks it's two people engaged in parallel play and it all seems to go quite well because it's also superficial but at some point somebody needs more narcissistic supply than the other or so what one, happens what's the crap or one person's career or something in life is going better and that's when all of it falls apart which tends to happen in most cases when it falls apart like example um when it falls apart one person we live in Hollywood, like one person gets the part they want and mm-hmm. the other person is sort of still languishing and doing like local theater. So then what will the narcissist do to the other narcissist? So then the one will start getting angry because all of the, the person who's still in local theater will get angry at the person who got the big part because they're insecure and they're going, getting ahead is making them feel more insecure. And so they'll keep you know, pushing at them. They'll like try to tear them. them down. They'll try to tear them down and they'll keep criticizing them. Well, a narcissist isn't going to put up with that. So they're going to say, well, the reason you do community theater is because you're a loser and you have no talent. And then they'll so you'll really just keep get, tearing each done. other down done. until yeah. neither of you have Listen, any self Listen, I'm glad when the narcissists find each other because it gets them out of our water supply. The tragedy, <laughs> the tragedy is when they have kids. 
Oh no, because it devastates. Devastating because there's really no one really on it with the kids, right? These are kids who do go on. There's a lot of risks for these kids then as adults. So that I'm not okay with. But they want to. They want to get together. Fine, just try to avoid having kids. It's it's or hire the best care on the planet for those kids, <laughs> or have the best grandma possible. But most of the time, that grandma was a narcissist. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's rough. No, no. I've seen uh, it happen over and over again. Again, especially in Hollywood. And you see it all the time. That, that aren't the narcissists that are dealing with the narcissist feel crazy. Oh, that's exactly what brought them in. They say, I am losing my mind. I've lost all grip on reality. I've tried this. I've done this. Why isn't it working out? It, it must be my fault because nothing's working for whatever reason they don't think it's the other person you know it's you know it's almost like it's like jousting at windmills right you're never going to get it right but they I, all the time they feel like they're going super crazy confusing because other people like the narcissist so yeah, much that's exactly like what it sometimes is. i'm like what mm-hmm. like people are always like he's the Best. greatest guy and it's like mm-hmm. you don't know and all narcissists for the most part, are successful. Not all. There's a subgroup of what we call covert or more vulnerable narcissists. Things don't go well for them and they blame the world. Well, you know, I would have been a great success if, you know, I was bigger than Steve Jobs. I was smarter than Albert Einstein. You know, I had Bill Gates' idea before he ever had it and now they're still living in their mother's basement. So clearly that didn't work out for them. I find that insecurity is more um, close. Like you feel and hear their insecurities also i'm not that smart yeah or, you will. yeah because that's again narcissists that's will say that mm-hmm. yeah and it's sort of like yeah. where you go what are you talking about and then you see but it's a it's oh a so then you can tell them how great mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. yeah like ugh, you know i'm never gonna make it in this business are you kidding me you're the most talented whatever fill it in doctor but no, i don't, ditch I don't digger, know why whatever. you like me so much but it's so nice yes. that you yes. do and then the next day they'll be like and no one's ever gonna love you the way i do if anyone ever says to you no one's ever gonna love you like i do change your number and move out of and, state. And won't they often say, leave, you're not going to do better than me. Try, yeah, yeah, leave, yeah. leave, mm-hmm. leave. They like yeah, threaten it. They that, like dangle it from you. That's different because that feels so antagonistic. But some people really fall hard for somebody saying, no one is ever going to love you the way I do. Instead of seeing that as the toxic, scary, manipulative thing that is, people think think like, whoa, I'm in this great love story. That's, that's where it gets dangerous. And the second that you do leave or you threaten to leave, that's when they, mm-hmm. the love bombing comes yep. on and they just turn it on and then you forget then, so they're not l- nice again they're nice super again. nice mm-hmm. overly nice and it outweighs mm-hmm. all these horrible bad times mm-hmm. that you guys just had for this one good it's good very time. confusing it's very confusing <laughs> that's the bottom line it's a very confusing it's relationship a there was somebody who once wrote a book called um uh too good to leave too bad to stay and that was perfectly put because like, you have people say there are enough good days, enough good hours to keep me in it, to which I say you almost have to view the good days as like the harvest season, like put all that good stuff away because there's rough days coming ahead and then just white knuckle it Ugh. and then get to the That's a it's a heck of a way to live. I can't do it. It's I, tough. I, it's it's tough. so brutal. Yeah. And sorry, just I'm probably running out of time. But it, no, we're OK. We're OK. OK, good. I'm like panicked. Um in regards to, I know you said the difference between a narcissist and a um, psychopath, but what's the difference between a narcissist and a sociopath? So psychopath and sociopath. Sociopath is sort of a term that's not as well. I mean, people use it, but it's actually in the, in the scientific literature. It's a hazier term. Psychopath has got a lot more meat behind it. Yeah. 
A sociopath is considered to be like a psychopath in some ways their nervous system is different. So like when they do, uh, when we do bad things, we feel uncomfortable. You know, right. like if we, I don't know, we cut someone off in a certain way or if we were to actually try to break a rule, our heart starts beating a little faster. That doesn't happen for a psychopath and as a result, they tolerate stress really well. So that's why they often do make like great soldiers or great surgeons even because stress doesn't bother them. Sociopaths aren't like that. They also don't feel remorse. They can also be quite dangerous. They can also quite be violent because they tend to be more hot-headed than psychopaths. Violent like going on a killing spree or mm -hmm. violent like domestic abuse? All of the above. Yeah. So, um, and it's believed that in some ways a psychopath might be more of a pure biological variant of this person who can do bad things and not worry about it. A sociopath might be more like that as a byproduct of their upbringing, like they grew up with significant neglect or significant abuse. Again, the research is still kind of evolving on that. I prefer sticking to psychopath and narcissist. Are I think sociopath is on easy. a spectrum too, where mm -hmm. like I'm picking the on a one to ten, yeah. the five, yeah. and the five, you can yeah. stick a little longer because they're not mm -hmm. so bad, which is why I'm always like, are they? Are they? The, the When you say, are they, are they, they probably are about a three <laughs> or four or five. Yeah. When they're an eight, nine or 10, you know, you're yeah. just calling 911. Like you're like, I need to get out right. of here. But they are on a spectrum and there's different kinds too. There's what I call those more vulnerable narcissists that don't look so grandiose. They actually are the ones who tend to be more like victims. Woe is me. Nobody gets me. You know, we talk about these so-called incels. That's more of the vulnerable narcissist. Incels are these guys who are involuntarily celibate mm -hmm. and they get mad and they, they, they oh. kill people. I mean, it's really, oh. it's it's like the Joker was probably oh. a vulnerable narcissist. And, and, like that's an example of that. I didn't pick any of those. <laughs> Yet, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, it, can, is this considered like a diagnose, diagnosed psychological mm. disorder? So this is this where a lot of people say, well, how dare you be sitting there diagnosing people? We're not diagnosing people. Narciss to call someone narcissistic, it's an adjective, like calling someone stubborn or agreeable or clingy. It's a, it's a descriptive term. When we call it narcissistic personality disorder, then it's a diagnosis. But actually, the prevalence of narcissistic personality disorder is only somewhere between 2 and 5%. And the reason it's so low is that for something to be called a mental illness, mm -hmm. it has to cause a person significant impairment in their lives or they need to be distressed about it. Well, a lot of narcissists are actually pretty cool with their lives. Yeah. They got wives, they got girlfriends, they got money, like, and they don't recognize the insecurity in themselves. It's not like they're walking around saying, I'm really insecure. That's why I'm a jerk. I think so, if they were listening to this, they wouldn't even know we're talking about no, that. No, they would not. They absolutely would not. And I think that's what's so maddening. Because like, for example, if you were in a relationship with somebody with depression, they'd know it about themselves and say, I know I'm depressed. And I know at times that makes it hard for you to talk to me. And I know that means at times I don't want to go out. And I apologize. So there's something rather self-aware at that for a person struggling with many other mental illnesses. This is a very little unique space, which is why I got into research in this area, because it was such an odd space in mental health. And I'm also looking through like kind of some of the most asked questions I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And one that is just blowing up my phone is, I have to co-parent with a narcissist. <laughs> Good Please luck. Please give me the best advice. Number one, I want this poor person to not even use the word co-parent because you're basically a single parent with an elephant on your back. You know, because co-parenting implies cooperation and collaboration. I tell people who co-parent with a narcissist, make sure you document everything. 
Make sure that you are, you often, co-parents with narcissists will sometimes spend a lot of their custody time sort of undoing what happened when the child was with the narcissistic parent. You have to be willing to talk to your kids about emotions a lot because a narcissistic parent may not do that. You have to... You just have to give your kid time to kind of come back into your household because that can be hard. Your narcissistic co-parent or other parent is often going to be trying to go to war with you. I always say if a narcissist knows you want something, they're not going to want to give it to you. So you got to play it cool when it comes to custody. A lot of parents say, I wish I could have 100% custody. And I said, you know, your narcissistic other parent may not be as interested in custody as you think because kids are kind of a headache, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they demand time and attention. I said, if you play it cool and they don't feel like they're getting a win over you, you might actually get more custody. And if you don't custody. make it money based. And, and you don't make it money based and all of that. So, but you really have to have patience. You need to be in your own therapy. You need to be in support groups. Do not, many times these divorces don't work with mediators. You do need attorneys because it starts getting very messy and mediation may not cut it. In some cases it might, but in many cases yeah. it won't. And you need to, be, and you need to know that you're going to have to keep revisiting this over and over again. This is not a one-off. This is something that is going to torment you until your kids are old enough to make their own custody decisions or move out of the house. And it will take a toll on your kids. There's, you do not get to do this without this taking a toll on your kids. And then in that same token, if you see somebody in your life that, is with a narcissist mm -hmm. that's another question how do you tell your friend yeah. your sister your whatever like how do you help them don't first of all don't tell them directly because if you tell them directly they're going to defend the narcissist and say how dare you diagnose my boyfriend the best thing you can do is take note of patterns and tell them you feel uncomfortable say you know what jill i hope you're doing okay you know i was I just had a moment at dinner he said something to you and i don't know it felt a little disrespectful are you okay mm -hmm. At that point, I'm not saying he's a jerk. I'm checking in with Jill. My goal in that was to plant a seed of doubt for Jill. Like something isn't quite right. Because in that moment, Jill's already probably taking it on as something she's done. Or Jill's like, mm -hmm. somebody just noticed. Right. And that's the key that somebody noticed. Not calling him out, but reflecting on her. Because you're noticing all these mm -hmm. things, but you're ignoring them. But then once somebody else points it out to you, then it's like an additional... like Right. But but making it about her instead of saying he's a jerk, no, he's not. I noticed the way he was talking to you. Are you okay? Make sense? Nobody's going to break up with someone else because you tell them to. That just doesn't work. And also, you know, because there's so many things out there that say like narcissism isn't treatable and no luck. If somebody is a narcissist and they are in a marriage or they're in a situation where they want to get mm -hmm. better. I know you said that they Great. can start being more aware mm -hmm. of what they're saying when they're saying things to people, but like what where is their hope? If they really want to get this right and they're willing to go into their own therapy and they're willing to go into couples therapy and they're willing to do the daily hard work, you might be able to get a little bit, a little bit of movement and maybe enough movement to keep it all together. Maybe to get the kids out of the house. Will narcissists actually go to therapy? Oh, yeah. I mean, I told you. I see them all the time. But like they're they're fine go when their wife they says. they think it's about the. Yeah. And sometimes person. I call them out. I mean, I had one guy walk in and before his butt hit the chair, he's like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm a narcissist. What can you do for me? I'm like, <gasps> not much, but let's see what we can do. It's almost like someone brings in an old car and I'm like, it's probably just this. This might, might sell this for, for parts, but you can't sell that. I have two to a person. quick questions. Yeah. One is if I or anyone listening, was in like a strong, confident mm -hmm. place, can you 
interact with the narcissist better. Yeah, absolutely. And can they not break you? Oh, 100%. Because I have to say, as somebody who does this, and this was a long journey for me, too, and I went through my own therapy with the master, you know, is that really you do. Because what ends up happening is, and I'm sure more than a few people have called me arrogant, because once I sense there's a narcissist in the room, people also must think I have irritable bowel syndrome, because I'm always saying I have to go to the restroom, (laughs) which is my way of getting out of the room. I've I've left dinner parties mid-course, I won't, I won't stay in the presence of it. I mean, and I think that that's what you've got to remember. We all have the ability to step out of a situation where there's a narcissist present. So now I have three questions. I have so fast. many questions <laughs> so now. If you, my question is like, I feel like in certain situations that reciprocal thing uh-huh. was so not there. Yeah. Is there ever any healing that could happen just for me standing up for myself? Like, I know y'all said, don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. But it's like, well, I get anything from being like, hey, you asked me to do this and I did it. And this is what I need from you. No, but you're not going to get it. So if you're good with asking for it and not getting it, then do it. Well, could that be that proof that I'm looking for? And then if they did do it, then I would be like, oh, okay. If you're being honest with yourself that all you're doing is looking for proof. You know, that really that I'm, you know, I can't tell you how many people out there, clients I've worked with who said, yeah, I'm not looking at his phone because as long as I don't look at his phone, I can pretend he's not having an affair. You know, they can stay in that relationship and in that delusion because they said, once I see it and I stay, then that makes me a real fool. And so you're thinking like, okay, like this is like a Santa Claus thing. Like, yeah, I mean, sorry to your listeners who believe in it, but like, yeah, sorry, the jig's up gang. So, um, well, yeah, I read this article about the fear of knowing versus fear of knowing yeah. fear versus mm-hmm. the need to mm-hmm. know. So it's the same thing here that, you know, if you're really, you have to figure out for yourself is what am I trying to do here? Am I really trying to get that last piece of information? And once I have that, then I'm going to go. My concern is that then there's going to be one more thing you need to know. Then there's going to be one more thing you need to know. And then before you know it, you've blinked your eyes and two more years have gone by and you've not been in a healthy place when you deserve so much better. Unsure on the answer on that one. I don't know yet. Yeah, you don't I know. Yet. I, I knew when it's that- happened in the past, does that well, last call? So I think for me, when I moved on from from one years ago, it was because... I finally was like, I, I, I know. Mm-hmm. And then the move on was actually pretty easy, mm-hmm. but it had been years of mm-hmm. like torture. So I think I have that a little bit in me. But you bring up an issue. And again, I write about it in this, in, in a section of this book, the, my most recent book called The Line. Everyone has the line that gets crossed. For you, it was within five years. For you, it'll be within a certain number of years. I've been in relationships where it was a certain number of years. And so that line is very personal. Okay. For some people, it's knowing a partner cheated. For someone, it may be knowing that, you know, I don't know that they, they broke the law. You know, for someone else, it would be that they, they cursed at them. I mean, the, the line varies depending on the person. But once that line gets crossed, that's where I see clients and people get mobilized to say, I'm out. It could very well be it, that they spoke harshly to a child. Like the first time they called a child, like, okay, I'm not doing this yeah, anymore. Yeah, I have a friend who finally got divorced because it went from her to, to the, the child. Yeah, exactly. So and she left that that line. And I think that's what the question is you're asking is what is your line? And that's personal. And for me, I've always been very I never judge if a person says, 
I'm going to wait another 10 years. And in fact, probably the most beautiful book part of this book is a woman gave me a letter. She stayed in a narcissistic marriage 10 years longer than she should have. I have a podcast and somebody had called in who was just in the beginning of such a marriage. This other listener sent this letter in to read to this woman. It was like, what happens to you when you stay another 10 years? It's brutal. How do you it's find brutal. this letter? You find this letter by buying my book and going oh. to page. <laughs> I think it's like 385 or something. Well, and yeah, everybody's line is is different because I have friends whose, yeah. whose line, they would be out mm-hmm. minute one. And I'm like, oh, yep. I'm going to... I'm gonna so, go back about so don't judge times. your line though. That's yeah. my point. Everybody's line's different. Everyone's right? line different. And then what happens is though that line, your tolerance drops. Like for next time for you, Jill, it's gonna be, you're gonna get there a lot quicker. Yeah, you're gonna be much better at advocating for yourself because you're saying, okay, now I know how this works. It's almost like taking a class. Like now I know how to multiply. Like I got you multiplication. Like I got you narcissism. Mm-hmm. Which then, I mean, can we kind of dig into sex addiction? Why we're here? Yeah. I mean, because I'm hearing so is much. Is it close? Is it close? They're very close. In That's fact, they're I mean, highly, highly correlated. In fact, I'd say the bulk of sex addicts are probably narcissists and they're giving it a nicer name. And aren't therapists divided? Yes. If- yeah, if sex addiction is a thing. Yeah, they're, we're very divided. I am more of a, this is sort of a dysregulated narcissist because here's the thing. We don't call someone a sex addict if they're not in a monogamous relationship. So many times, some some do, like a person, let's say every night they're going to a different sex worker or they watch porn 12, 12 14 yeah. hours a day to the point where it's disrupting their life or they might be getting um, illnesses or, you know, whatever it is, it, whatever it may be. And they're not in a relationship. We tend to sometimes be less likely to diagnose it unless the person's like, yeah, I'm not going to work because I'm watching porn all day. If the person is in a relationship, obviously it's causing much more disruption, this kind of behavior, because of um, because there's another person involved. When it involves, if they're in a relationship, like a marriage or whatever, fiance or something, and they do this, then there's no empathy for that person. But some people will argue they're so dysregulated, it's like using drugs. They can't stop themselves. I've worked with more and more clients who are dealing with that dysregulated sex, and I can see the not stop themselves part. Like, there's no emotional connection to the sex on this one, none whatsoever. Like, they're in, they're out. Like, it's, they, they're like, we, I'm not even feeling it. But anything. even when they're seeing the aftermath truly affect their partner. So, substitute drugs for sex then. Okay. So it's almost, this is an addiction, so you're going to have to deal with it. It's a dysregulated, yeah. An addiction, a dysregulated behavior. They can't stop themselves. People who spend a lot, people who eat a lot. Like these things do kind of cluster in the same space. And, you know, I think that what is harder is that sex happens in an interpersonal space. It's different than eating a cheesecake or spending $10,000 at a shop or something. Could somebody be in a marriage that might not be a bad marriage? It might even be a good Mm -hmm. marriage, but they do have an emotional connection with someone else and the sex with that person is emotional you know that's a tricky space because i mean there's people out there in the polyamory community who would argue that's very possible i have to say that here's here's the rule of thumb if that if the spouse in that marriage found out and would be broken by it then i don't think that other relationship could be healthy because you're engaging in something outside of your marriage that could devastate another human being i always say to people if you're cheating if your partner's going to sign off on this and everyone's cool which i've worked with plenty of couples where that's the case that then that's fine so what does it say so a lot of what i've heard when it comes to sex addiction and whatnot mm-hmm. is that there's one partner that's that's doing it mm-hmm. and then the other partner is not and is obviously devastated mm-hmm. But 
if it were to reverse, that other partner would leave them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So what it does that? That's where it brings me to. Is this, is this a, a nar- form? That's a narcissistic Listen, trait. Addiction of all forms and narcissism often hang out together in a significant chunk of cases. And what you'll sometimes see, it's heartbreaking for families. Oh my God, this person's such a jerk and it's because they're using drugs. And when we get them into rehab and they come out, everything's gonna be fine. They come out of rehab, now they're sober and they're a jerk, which means the narcissism remained, the, the, the drug or alcohol addiction's gone. It would be the same with any kind of an addictive state. Narcissistic people, because they're so empty, they need to regulate from the outside in. They can't manage their feelings on their own. So they spend, they eat, they drink, they drug, they have sex. They do all these external behaviors to manage the emptiness and all the feelings they have because they don't know how to name them. They don't know how to talk with them about them and they don't know how to be with them, which is why they have big appetites and that's why they spend so much money. And it's like always regulating, regulating, regulating. And that's what it's about. It felt like a hole of damage that I filled the hole. That's what you did. You fill the hole until something else will fill the hole. Like you're just, you're on a conveyor belt of hole filling things. But it did feel emotional every time. But talk to an addict. That's what they're filling too. Talk to someone who does a ton of coke or smokes weed all the time. They're filling a hole. And I felt like a crack addict too. That's right. And so that's what I'm saying. That's where we use the term codependency. Yeah. Because you feel like you Mm -hmm. need it. You have to have it. But in the same way, like, you know, a narcissist isn't going to have empathy. If a sex addict is caught cheating by his wife, Mm -hmm. will he feel empathy? Depends. If they're narcissistic, probably not. If it's a person who's struggling with sex addiction, they may actually be really remorseful. But how can you tell? How can you tell? You know, I think part of it is commitment to treatment. It's um, coming clean about it. It's taking ownership about it. Coming clean prior to getting caught. Uh, Coming clean prior to getting caught. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That's really what it is. And then what, because we know the red flags for a narcissist, what are the red flags if you're getting into a relationship with somebody who has a sex addiction? I think that, you know, first of all, there could be things like, you know, if you come into knowledge or somehow see that they're, they are engaging in a lot of porn use, if they are, um, their sexual wants, needs, asks or something that they're not communicating clearly or feel uncomfortable to you, they start talking about their sexual history and it's something like, oh, okay, it's more elaborated than you thought. And it's okay to be uncomfortable with that and ask more questions about it. It's often something hard to suss out in the beginning. I have to be honest with you. A lot of people will say they were blindsided by this because sex is so personal. Porn can be watched. It's not like the old days, right? The VHS days, like you were on to it. Nowadays, you can park in, you know, park in a lot and watch your porn before you go into the office. Nobody is the wiser. So people will walk in on people. They'll see, you know, they'll see uh, the, you know, the the cash in a computer, whatever they see. It might come out in that way. But if somebody, for example, who goes on business trips a lot and sees sex workers on those business trips, and has like people they know who to pay in those cities or something like that. That's hard to that's hard to track because they often like they have no relationship with that person other than having sex with them when they go to that city. I mean, I've I've heard so many variants of this. Somebody wants to hide this, they'll hide this just like any addict can hide it. The, and a sex addict is not going to sex to get validation. It's to regulate. It's filling a different kind of a need. And sometimes those two overlap. Oh, I have so many more questions. So we need to do this again. I know we're out of time. Oh. Yeah, well, 
Thank you so it's my much. Pleasure. I feel like people honestly write in, ask us more yeah, questions so we, we can do this again because I want to get all your questions answered. I mean, I still have more questions. So thank you so my, much. My pl- absolute pleasure. Thank you again. Thank you for being so open and honest too because I think that helps people who are listening to realize how painful that this is and they're not foolish. They did something very pure and honest. They fell in love. That's yeah. not. That, never blame yourself for that. Very true. Well, I know I personally am going to be reading your books, but take your life back. And should I stay or should I go? Oh, my goodness. This is the new book. Don't you know who I am? How to stay sane in an era of narcissism, entitlement, and shoot. Now you have to tell me what that says. Incivility. (laughs) Incivility. Does that mean I don't have that? That's good. It's, It's the world today. It's the world. I can read ish. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Teddy Teapot on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. (laughs) Staying consistent is hard, but it's important if you want to see results. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies right now. And they're one of the only brands that are committed to your health. They only use the cleanest and purest ingredients in their formulas. No seed oils, no preservatives, or toxins. Let me walk you through my morning routine. I wake up, make my coffee, and then make sure to fill my water with Symbiotica Pure Hydration before my early morning workout. They source the best ingredients from all around the world, and I've loved every supplement I've tried so far. What's even better is that Symbiotica makes it a breeze to stay on track. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every month. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code POD for 15% off your subscription order. You may or may not know, I am the co-owner of Vena CBD. We're committed to your health and wellness with top quality CBD products. If you struggle getting a good night's sleep like me, listen up. I started sleeping better right away when I started taking lights out sleep gummies before bed. The ingredients are grown in the USA and third-party lab tested. Vena guarantees satisfaction with a 30-day risk-free guarantee. Buy a get one, get one free with code TEAPOD. That's T-E-A-P-O-D at venacbd.com. Start your wellness journey with Vena CBD today. That's V-E-N-A-C-B-D.com. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first class luxury meets world class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring, well, The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is 
and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877-351-0300 and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast.